Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Today we're talking 2022 way too early projections and takeaways from Heath Cummings' projections process. Welcome, everybody. Today is Thursday, February 3rd. You're listening to Fantasy Football Today in 5. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Heath Cummings. Let's get right to it with some of the tease of the teasing of the projections for 2022. So, Heath, we're going to talk about a couple of takeaways that we're going to get into on the full-length uh, podcast uh, with you and Chris Towers. But let's talk about one projections process, one takeaway that you're, uh, I don't know, struggling with, but kind of, you know, taking through the, uh, going through the thought process of, and that's the Detroit Lions. So, tell me what's uh, maybe... The, the the takeaway from the Lions and the projections that you're going through? Uh, fear, troubling. Um, we, we all know that halfway through the season, Dan Campbell got tired of watching Anthony Lynn's offense. It didn't take long and started calling plays on his own. And the target distribution just completely changed. I spent a lot of last summer saying DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams can both be good because Anthony Lynn gives his running back so many targets, so many touches. In the first eight games of the season, when Lynn was calling plays, 29% of the team's targets went to running backs. 23% went to tight ends. When Dan Campbell was calling plays in the second half of the season, only 18% of the targets went to running backs, which is a pretty normal number. 29% is an outlier, but not that much of an outlier for Anthony Lynn. And tight end targets fell to 17%. Now, when you're looking at splits like this, it's tough because TJ Hawkinson missed some time during that stretch. DeAndre Swift missed some time during that stretch. But both Hawkinson and Swift did see their targets lower when Campbell was calling plays than when Lynn was calling plays in the games that they played in. And Swift's fell from like seven per game to four to five per game. So I'm still trying to decide where I'm going to settle on him. But so much of his value was the fact that they were throwing him the ball at a high rate. They just didn't have I mean, he had a couple of games with Campbell where he was really successful running, but there weren't that many games where he had great success without the catches. That makes me a little bit nervous at this point in the game. How much of that do you think is the emergence of Amon Ross St. Brown, the comfort factor of Jared Goff in the offense, the defense maybe being a little bit better so they weren't as, you know, uh, behind in some games and chasing points in some games? You know, I mean, just it's a new, you know, everything was, you know, kind of, I think, coming together for Detroit and you saw them playing better in the second half of the season. Absolutely. I think all those things are factors. And I think that if you were going to bet going on into this year, it would be more like the second half in that regard than it was like the first half. A lot You mentioned at the garbage time, the Lions really didn't have garbage time in the second half of the season. They were behind in the fourth quarter by three touchdowns seemingly every game in the first half of the season. And that's where Swift scored a lot of his fantasy points. So that that those are all good points and they all continue to make me nervous about Swift as a top 10 running back. I know Chris is very high on DeAndre Swift, so we should have a fun discussion about that when we get to, again, the full-length show. We're looking at both of your projections for 2022. Uh, speaking of Amon Ross St. Brown, he's going to be a second-year wide receiver in 2022. I know he, not, he might not fall in the range of guys that you're looking at. Our next takeaway in terms of second-year wide receivers in the wide receiver three range, but Devontae Smith probably is going to live in that spot. So tell me about the second takeaway, second takeaway topic that we're looking at here in terms of sophomore wide receivers and how you're projecting those guys. 
Yeah, I've only done about a third of the team so far, but I've got three wide receivers in between that are all second-year guys. Amon Ross St. Brown is one of them, right in that wide receiver 30 range. Devontae Smith right there, Elijah Moore right there. And they are guys that I think all three of them have big-time upside. Smith, we think, is the most talented of the three, but how many times will the Eagles throw? Elijah Moore has to deal with all the uncertainty on the Jets. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, how much of his late-season production was because Hawkinson or Swift was injured? So I think those three guys and probably a couple more will end up in that range. Um, could be make or break number three wide receivers for sure. So it's interesting that you have those guys in the wide receiver three range. I think Smith makes sense. Um, I know in our mock draft, certainly the half PPR one, uh, Jacob Gibbs took the, took Elijah Moore in the fourth round. So he's not going to probably get drafted if he's going in that range as a third wide receiver, unless Jacob, I don't remember how he built his team, but he could have taken one running back and then three receivers. Yeah. Uh, Amara St. Brown, Elijah Moore might be drafted as number two receiver. So the highest one for you is, is St. Brown at 30. Right now, the highest one for me is St. Brown at 32, Smith's 33, Moore's 34. And I, I I think Moore probably will get drafted higher than that. The thing I really struggled with is I don't think Corey Davis is going anywhere next year. And I don't know how much of a production boost we'll get from Zach Wilson. If Wilson takes a true leap and throws enough touchdowns to support multiple wide receivers, then I think Moore could absolutely be a top 20 guy. All right, I've already ruined this because we're going to be over five minutes, but let's do a quick uh Third takeaway here on Joe Burrow. Why do you think you're going to be the low guy on Joe Burrow this season? It's hard for me to project him to throw 600 passes with as low as they've been in terms of pass volume, and he doesn't run. And generally speaking, if you're not a running quarterback and you don't throw a lot of passes, you have to have insane efficiency to be a difference maker in fantasy. He had insane efficiency last year. But over the past five years, we'd seen Mahomes have that year. We've seen Jackson have that year. And generally, they regress back in terms of efficiency. So Burrow is not going to project very well. All right, so we'll see where uh, Joe Burrow comes out. Heath's rankings and Chris rank and Chris's rankings. I'll give my take on Joe Burrow as well, but that'll be on the full length podcast. So make sure you're checking it out. But this is FFT in five. Thanks for listening to Fantasy Football Day in Five, your audio outlet for fantasy news and advice in five minutes or fewer, or sometimes a little bit over. If you enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to leave a five star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back on Thursday for the full length podcast. Make sure you listen to Fantasy Football today and Fantasy Football Day in Five wherever podcasts are available.